0: Welcome to the Ministry Marks Podcast. I'm David Haynes and I'm joined by Thomas Majors. Thomas, our topic today is kind of an interesting topic, but it is one that we definitely need to discuss and it is a topic of ministering through grief. Now, we're going to be looking at this through the five stages of grief, and my research showed that Elizabeth Kubler-Ross really came up with this model of five stages of grief in her 1969 book, which is entitled On Death and Dying. Basically, she wanted to write a book to help a person through the grief process, and you and I both know that grief goes beyond just death and dying we can grieve over a multitude of things so thomas tell us a little bit about grief
1: so grief as far as webster goes grief is just deep sorrow and they go on to describe it as especially that caused by someone's death but but you know we really minister to people during times of grief and not all grief is about someone dying as you've mentioned the news that a friend or a family member is moving away, that can cause grief in someone. Even when a pastor or staff member resigns from a church, that church may go through some grief as well. And so what we wanna do is we wanna just help people move through what we're probably calling the stages of grief.
0: Yeah, that's right. So, Thomas, the first stage that we're gonna talk about is denial. I believe denial is thinking that somehow this is well. there was a mistake
1: somewhere that I thought it was a river in Egypt. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that is so funny. <laughs> That's
0: right. Denial is more than a river in Egypt. So denial might be something like this is this has got to be mistaken. There's no way that this can be accurate. As I was first looking for a biblical passage, I found something good that happened that people did not believe. In Acts chapter 12, verses 12 through 17, you see the you see the story of Peter. He was imprisoned. And Thomas, do you remember what they were doing whenever Peter was in prison? They were praying. They were gathered to pray, and they were praying for Peter's release. Well, guess what? The Lord allowed him to be released from that prison setting, and he goes back, and he knocks on the door, and the young girl named Rhoda comes to the door and answers the door, and she goes back. She sees that his Peter. She hears his voice. She knows it's Peter, and she goes back to mention it to other people, to the adults. Remember what the adults said? Uh, There's, no, no, that's not Peter. It's his, it's his spirit. It's his ghost. There's <laughs> No way God has heard our prayer and answered our prayer. So sometimes we have difficulty in accepting
1: the fact of whatever the case may be, especially when it comes to like death. And what I've noticed in my ministry and over my lifetime is that most of the times people have a hard time believing that someone has passed away until they see the body. They see the body they touch the body, they talk to the person, whatever it may be, and then they come to this idea. Then they can move past. But there are those times where a body has not been able to be produced because of a war or something that has happened. And so those people, sometimes you meet them and they're still holding on. My child may not be dead. Yes, he he or she may come back. I mean, they, we've seen plenty of movies with that type of plot in it and people cannot kind of hold on to that idea and they're denying what what is probably true And so a lot of times you'll hear people say, I just can't believe this is happening. I just can't believe uh, the pastor is leaving I mean he he everything's going so well I just can't believe it and a lot of times when you hear that they're having a hard, time, a difficult time processing the information that is, uh, that is happening right before their eyes.
0: Yeah, I think something's going to change. You mentioned something about the the first viewing. Uh, you know, and that is a big time for a pastor. I try to always be there for those that I do the funerals for. I try to always be there at the first viewing. There's nothing I can do and really there's nothing I can say, but I just want to be there with them. I want to be there for them. After the casket is open, the body is viewed for the first time. After about a five minute, uh, five minutes of that, I try to then say, hey guys, let's pray together. And then we initially, we thank the Lord for the life and the ministry of that deceased person, but you're right, man. That is when you're kind of slapped in the face that this is real. And uh, and, and you're maybe for a pastor leaving, it's that final Sunday. He he's given his two week notice, and it's that final Sunday, and they're about to have a fellowship meal to see him off, and then it begins to kind of slap the people in the face. He's really he's really leaving. He's going to go,
1: or it happens the next Sunday. When they walk past the pastor's office and all of the books are gone. I I had a person text me one time and they're like, we it didn't really hit me until I walked by your office and your books weren't there. Uh-huh. And that's when it really hit them. Oh, he's he's gone. It was, it was a little bit of denial up to that point. And then it was like, Oh, yeah. He, he's moved out. <laughs> he's gone. <laughs>
0: That's right. Well, Thomas, we've been able to discuss denial. The second stage of grief, uh, according to Kubler-Ross, is anger, maybe, maybe frustration, saying some, this is not fair. So, Thomas, do you have some thoughts on, on anger and frustration?
1: Yeah, anger, it really comes when, when a person gets mad. And in my experience, that usually is projected at God. That's what I've seen the most of is somebody gets mad at God over whatever is happening in their life, whether it be some type of sickness or whether it be a death. And especially in my ministry, there was one young lady I can think of. Her dad had died. And she told me one day, she said, I'm just mad at God because why would he do that? Why would God take my daddy from me? And she had all of this anger that was built up within her, and she was just projecting that onto God. And one of the things I want to do is I I want to speak clearly to them about, about the world we live in, the sin that affects everything, uh, including our bodies, including the world, and how that has an effect on our life. Some people just get angry at God and want to take out their anger, their inability to control the situation, and they want to take that out on God.
0: You know, what you mentioned about their inability to control the situation is is, is very important. We never know what might trigger anger in us. Even in the Old Testament book of Jonah, Jonah was called to go preach to the people of Nineveh and in Jonah chapter 3 verse number 10 he saw that God saw their works and relented from the disaster that he was going to do and for in the life of a preacher when someone listens and they repent that is a great day but Jonah chapter 4 verse number 1 says that it displeased Jonah and he became very angry and then we know that he showed more emotion and more anger toward God about the the gourd that died yeah. and everything about that it's so crazy, but those things triggered his anger toward
1: God. And in thinking about you know this idea of anger and stages of grief, especially when it comes to ministers, maybe you've seen it or maybe you've experienced it, you've left a church, and people, after you leave, people might see you and they, they kind of act a little bit angry at That's you right, because you left, they speak because, to you, because they're going is. through these stages of grief. And eventually, later on, well... They, they work through that, and you can have a relationship with them again.
0: Yeah, grieving is so odd. Well, Thomas, the third stage of grief that we're going to be discussing today is is bargaining or negotiating. Now, as I tried to find something like that in Scripture, my mind went to Acts chapter 8, verses 9 through 24, and you see a guy by the name of Simon the Sorcerer. Now, that's a strange passage. We could probably do a podcast on Simon the Sorcerer in and of itself, but basically, I think he tried to do some bargaining. I like think he really tried to do some bargaining with the people of the Lord. Basically, can you give me the gift of the Holy Spirit that who on whom I lay hands, they will receive the Spirit, and I will purchase that from you. I'll give you this money if you will give me that gift. But bargaining and grief goes beyond that. What are your thoughts on, this, on that topic?
1: The times that I've seen some bargaining before through my ministry or that I have done it myself, is, is in those times where somebody will say something like, God, just heal them, and I will. That's it. And whatever that may be. God, if you'll just heal my grandchild, I'll be at church every Sunday. God, if you will just bring my child back to life, I will. And th- and they're just they're just trying to bargain with God. One of the times in my ministry that I've seen that so clearly, and it left an impact on my life was there as a teenage boy who lost his life, who died in a, in a very tragic accident. And I went to the emergency room to see the family. They were in the viewing room out on the side of the emergency room. Young man was dead. And I just remember walking into that room and hearing his mom, seeing his mom laid across his body. And she was crying out and saying, God, God, please bring him back. If, you know, she was just begging and bargaining and, and she was, she was trying to do everything. She had accepted, she would, she was past the denial stage. She was at that bargaining stage where she was just trying to petition God to do something in this young man's life and body. What, one of the things I'm, I'm sure you can see that I'm doing along the way is connecting to death because that's kind of what she was writing this about. But there are other ways that we grieve too. And a church that is grieving over the resignation of a pastor, how will they bargain?
0: Mm-hmm. I, I hey I think they might do something like this pastor we will do anything if you'll stay you 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 are, are we, you telling me it's money right we'll give do you, you a need raise. more money we'll, we'll build that facility whatever it is we'll follow your lead <laughs> that we haven't for all these years but we'll
1: start now <laughs> what uh is there something wrong with the parsonage i mean we can <laughs> yeah. fix it why, why are you wanting to leave and yeah. then they begin this bargaining process thinking, That it is money or that it is a house or it is something else. And let's just be honest. The times that we have moved churches, it's been because God has called us. God's calling us to another ministry. And because of that, he's calling us away from that ministry.
0: Yeah. Yep, I think you're right, Thomas. Let's move on to the fourth stage of grief that we're going to be dealing with today. That is depression. Maybe this is thinking it's the end of the world. Now, I found a guy in scripture who I really think was depressed. I really think so. You may disagree with me, but let me let me argue my case. His name, maybe you've heard of him, John the Baptist. John John the Baptist was in prison in Luke chapter 6, verses 18 through 23. He sent some of his followers, he sent some of his people, some of his posse, he sent some of his guys to ask Jesus, are you the coming one? Or should we just look for another? John knew he was the coming one. I'm convinced he knew. What I'm convinced of is that question came through depression.
1: Have you ever thought about that? I, well, I've not thought about John the Baptist and depression, um, but it, you can definitely see these tendrils of doubt that are reaching out and grabbing a hold of him. And I mean, he's the one that said, I'm not worthy to untie your sandal. And yeah. now behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Exactly. Yeah. And now, in that passage he does, uh, he's, he's showing some signs that are uncharacteristic and it's probably That's because true. he's in jail. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, he, he is apprehended mm-hmm. by Herod. And so of course there's probably some depression that goes along with that. Now, when you're thinking about, and we briefly discussed this on the phone the other day, when you're thinking about like the death of a loved one, I don't think a person necessarily has to go through depression. I think maybe what they're trying to get at, they get to this place of sadness in their life where they really are sad because of something that happened in their life. And I think that's completely healthy, to be sad that something has happened. That is a God-given emotion. It is something that, that God gives to us to let us know that, that something's not right, you could say, just like anger. Anger is a God-given emotion. And so sadness, and the sadness of losing a loved one, yes, I think that's appropriate. But the idea of depression And maybe I'm thinking about depression all wrong. Maybe when I think of depression, I think of someone who is not able to cope with something that is happening in their life, whether whether that be external or whether that be internal with chemicals in their brain, whatever is causing the depression, there's the inability to cope and so they need some type of treatment for that. I don't think everyone who is going through stages of grief may need that type of treatment, but, but it's okay to be sad. It's okay to cry. It's okay to, to weep and to mourn.
0: Mm-hmm, that's right. That's right, and and I agree with what with what you're saying and what we spoke about previously. Depression. Whenever you and I first talked about this, we said, well, "Well, let's not even mention it." And then we said, "Well, let's mention it and let's discuss it. How we don't agree with it." And and I think that is right. A person may go through depression, but a person does not have to go through depression. I believe depression is a real thing. But in the life of a Christian, if we can keep in mind the over overarching glory of God and that God has a plan, I believe that assists and a person cannot or does not have to go through depression. Maybe the word is sadness, as you've said. But Thomas, I'll continue on. Our fifth, Our fifth stage of grief is acceptance, maybe saying, hey, you know what, it's, it's going to be okay. I, I, my, I have favorite sermons that I like to preach. Um, you and I are going to be co-preaching a revival pretty soon. And, uh, and I'm already beginning to look at what do I want to preach on that night? I, I like preaching. I enjoy preaching funeral sermons. I, I, I enjoy the development of a message, and I love being able to eulogize someone in a godly way and share a biblical exhortation with the family, with the loved ones. And one of my favorite stories to share at a funeral service is really a story of acceptance. It goes back to 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 15 through 23 is where you can read it specifically. Basically, David has had the adulterous affair with Bathsheba. Uh, Nathan, wasn't that, wasn't that his name? Nathan, I think some preachers say, boy, he probably had a long finger, and every bit of his finger was in David's face and said, <laughs> you are the man. And we know that, that the life of that child uh, was taken because of the overarching sin of David, Bathsheba, everything that went on in that scenario. So the life of that child was taken because of the sin of David and Bathsheba. And during that process, there was a point of sickness and then there was a point of death. During the point of sickness, David was praying and weeping and, and, and asking God to spare the life of that child. And then the child died. His David's servants were even a little bit afraid to go and tell him because of how he might handle it. But as he was told about the, about the child's death, he says something amazing. He says, you know what, that child cannot come back. But one day I can see that child again. I can go to him. And I think that really shows the process of grieving and then the acceptance of there is a better day that is coming.
1: Yeah. So with acceptance, basically it's the idea that one day, someday they will be, they will accept whatever it is. They will accept the sickness. They will accept the death. They will accept the move, What whatever has been part. Uh, that contributed to that grief. They're going to, they're going to be okay with it. They're going to find that new state of normal, and they're going to begin to move forward. With David, that happened almost immediately. With us, that's not going to happen immediately. And so we're wanting to help people work through grief, and we're wanting to minister to people through grief. I think there are some things that we need. To consider when we're doing so. And one of those is being that stages of grief. That's kind of how it's been defined stages of grief. But it almost gives this idea that, well, it's one, two, three, four. Well, that's not true. Because it's more of something that we move into and we move out of. We move into, we move out of. This, this grief is going to come through in waves. And, and one day, the person may just be angry. And the next day, they may be sad. And then the next day, they may just be angry again. And the next day, they, they may have some bargaining. They're, they're trying to bargain their way out of whatever is happening. And so we just need to remember that when a person is going through grief and moving through these stages of grief, we're wanting them to go, we're wanting them to get to the part where they're healthy, where they accept this new state of normal and they begin to work and begin to move from there. And it's a process that we've got to walk with them. Thomas, uh,
0: years ago we did a, a grief study as I was a youth pastor serving in church in Alcorn County, and and that study said that the twelve month mark or the one year mark is more painful than the one day mark. They studied a lot of people, walked with a lot of people through grief, and and it, it takes a year. It takes getting past those anniversaries and those birthdays and those dates that were very significant and important. But but then you turn around and you notice, hey, you know what? I'm I'm healing. I'm healing, I am grieving, and I am becoming healthy once again,
1: yeah, some other things that we need to consider, you know is showing empathy, and my wife says that that I really struggle with that the of uh, showing empathy, but we need to be to show empathy to the people we minister to let if they're crying. What does the Bible say? Weep with those who weep, and that's what we need to learn to do. We laugh with those who laugh, we weep with those who weep, and so that's just showing empathy. And so, when a person is going through grief, we can we can be sensitive to their needs, and then try to help them along as well. Don't be afraid. You know, one of the things that people say to me all the time is that they don't know what to say to someone who was going through grief? What do I say to that family who is standing beside their loved one? What do I say to that person who was going through a divorce? What do I say to people who are going through these intense times? And I just say, you know, don't be afraid to talk to them. Talk to them they need someone to talk to them. They need to know that you're praying for them. They need to know that you care enough about them. So this may mainly don't worry about what to say and what not to say. Just talk to them. Just talk to them, love on them. That's right, man. be be their friend during that time. Exactly. And I would go on to say that we need to be available to those people, and that goes with showing empathy and talking to them, just being available for conversations available for them to maybe even project some of their anger onto maybe being a person or available to them just as an ear to, uh, to listen to their complaints, to listen to their grief, to listen to their sadness. That's right. And then lastly, I would say that it's very, it's very important for them to know it's okay to grieve. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, some people think that they're weak if they're grieving. I don't want to show any weaknesses. I've got to be tough,
1: but it is okay to go through this. And and what I've seen sometimes is that people say, "Well, I'm I'm a Christian. I I don't. Yeah. I'm not supposed to grieve. No, we don't grieve like others grieve. That's right.
0: That's Jesus
1: wept when Lazarus died. It is okay for us to grieve. It's okay to to be sad and to weep at a funeral because your grandmother passed away or another loved one or a friend passed away. It's okay to be upset and to grieve over that friend who is moving across yeah. the country. That's it right. is okay to grieve when you see a family that is being destroyed through divorce and through other things. It's It's, it's okay. okay. It's okay to grieve. That's right. As ministers, we minister through times of grief, whether it be our own grief or whether it be the grief of our church members. Our goal is to help people move through those stages of grief. I hope this podcast has given you some ideas about ministering to people going through grief and how you can help them through. We thank you for listening to us today and hope you'll join us again for the next time.